Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 196 of the Two Bets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I think that speed was pretty good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I'm, I'm currently in a room that is filled with the smell of, of uh, cooking sourdough. Someone who doesn't get to try my sourdough because he keeps on having a go at the sourdough, it's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you? I'm very good, Robbie. Well, seeing as my family's gone off to a market, a sourdough uh, extraordinaire uh, market today, it's just to learn the things that you guys already know about sourdough starters and yes. which, whether you use your left sock or your right sock to get the sourdough from or how you actually get it to grow. I'm how sure you keep be- your starter alive and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. And look, your pace pace was good mate i think you know he's slowing down maybe it's an age thing you know but um maybe it's i might just be tired i might be tired maybe might be that bag of sasha's blend you had at the uh that fell out of your your coat pocket at the at the uh at the stress ball when we were emceeing that was awkward wasn't it anyway it was a little bit awkward but the band seemed to enjoy it when i gave it to them so (laughs) you know they they, they were doing all right with it and and speaking of last week's episode just wanted to so we had a, had a little bit of feedback last week's oh, episode. Really? Okay. It was, was, yeah. Not, not, not a lot about your slowing down of your introductions, unfortunately, but I'm sure they were thinking that. Yeah. A bit more comments on how uh, in the middle of the episode, we had a, a, a two minute toilet break. <laughs> you didn't cut it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when I got the first couple of people sort of, because often we'll come back from a tour break, have a little bit of a chat about things that, yeah, you yeah. know, what are we going to do? Yeah. Perhaps not recordable or, you know, it might be a little bit off. off and everyone said, no, no, we're all fine. We did everything. I think you <laughs> came back, you came back and said, oh, I've got the spuds back in or something. I think you're actually cooking something. It wasn't a euphemism for something no. else. No, no, yet, no, yet. no, no. Literally, we're putting the spuds in. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> yes, that, that was yes. yeah, literally what was happening. Yes. 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 And, uh, and I, I said to a few other people that contacted me, I said, well, that was our two minute silence for the, for the the passing of the 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 queen the uh, yes the, her royal highness hrh the queen hrh passing. yeah 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 her royal highness yeah the well, passed I was, away I was, so mm. uh, christina and i um we we went and saw a band play last night and i was sitting next to a lovely couple who were telling us about um as soon as the uh, that the national day of mourning was announced for the uh, for the Thursday. They they decided to hop straight onto Airbnb and start to look for a a lovely you know, rural retreat where they could go and 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 conduct their their four days of national mourning over the the four day public holiday in 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 absolute bliss um, up in Christmas Hills. And I said, oh good. And you know, how how often did you stop and think about our uh, our poor you know, d- deceased uh, monarch? And they said. Funnily enough, it didn't come up. And I said, you know what? I don't think you're alone. I don't think anybody was on, on that day necessarily stopped and thought, 
what are we doing this for again? Yeah, does anyone feel bad? You know, anyway, but that's just me, mate. That's just me. I would say that's a bit of a personal opinion that you bring into the show there, Robbie. You, yeah. You, you're a staunch, uh, staunch monarchist there, mate. Just just bringing a few views in there to just, you know, just just to put a few of our listeners maybe offside. Like, uh, you know. Tell you what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a staunch um, small business owner who didn't appreciate having a, oh. a, a one, one three-day week. I wouldn't have minded ah. it being spread over over two weeks. And I actually, you know, I think having a four-day weekend that's not necessarily tied to um, anything to do with anything religious is actually a really good idea. You know, mm. I, reckon, I reckon having a Friday and a Monday across a weekend, I reckon that was, I reckon it was fantastic having a four-day weekend. But it's just always hard when it's over christmas and easter that there's always the the thing where you go oh, you know you got to do stuff with family because you know so i reckon having a a non uh, non-religious based four-day weekend i reckon there's some merit in that but if that means we've got to lose a monarch every year for it or well, i mean i don't you know they, they might start to start to run a little bit short over there and and also then we're going to have to keep updating our our coins and and the faces on our five dollar notes every year which is going to get you know I- impractical lewis so may, maybe we should have it yeah, not necessarily tied to the passing of a monarch. Right. Wow. Well, you know what? Well, let's it's a, it's toilet and let's cut out the last five minutes because this has been crap. <laughs> oh no, that's quite a chat, mate. That's quite a little soliloquy on your uh, your thoughts on um. Oh my on, god. On, on on the Queen and public house. Anything? You know, apparently the corgis went to went to Prince, Prince Andrew. Any thoughts on that, mate? <laughs> any, got any any comments? And so anyway, wanna... <laughs> in other stories this week. <laughs> Yeah, well, this, I wanted to have a chat. So we're still, I don't know about you, mate, we're still, well, it's been declared, I think, I don't know if it's worldwide, but the, the pandemic is over. Yes. The COVID We've pandemic had the update is here over. In, in Victoria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But certainly I'm still wearing a face mark in in, uh, in consults and I had some interesting uh, episodes happen to me this week uh, with um, with wearing a face mask. So I had a, a uh, I think it was two cats in the consult room uh, both in for vaccination and and one cat there was a bit of a note oh it's a bit of a care you know got sort of got to monitor it might get a little bit upset during during consults it's like oh it's good to have that on the file so we know to treat them in you know uh, more carefully just or gently uh, take yeah, a little ta- more care take them more slowly you know monitor their their fear and their anxiety in the room and so i did the other cat first that wasn't so fearful and i let both of them out of the car in the fearful one sort of walking around everything's fine and so I vaccinated the first cat. That was fine. Let it, you know, let it walk around the room. Second cat got up on the table. I thought, perfect. You know, we'll start examining it. Going really well. Loving rubbing up against my face, you know, rubbing against my hands. I was like, well, this is going quite well. And the owners are extolling the virtues of my wonderful veterinary care that normally the cat's a bit upset, but it's quite good. You know, I fell away on my hands, you know, all that sort of thing. A little bit of zilkine up, up the cat's. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so I gave the cat the vaccination and it was sort of coming up and, and onto my face mask and kind of trying to rub on it a little bit. And I thought, oh, that's really sweet. So I pulled down my face mask just to sort of let the cat perhaps do a little little nose touch that they lot like to do. Mm. And you know what it did? As soon as it saw my face, it's gone. <laughs> and totally turned. And it's like, went, right. And I've just backed off and got, oh. Yeah, well, that was a step really that's what it really thinks of me. And uh, I might just put that face mask back up again. And it was very funny. It was like, uh, yep, you're not as attractive as you are with the face mask on there. I'll just, I'll just hiss to that. You, you ruined the, uh, you, you ruined the, the little picture that it had in, her, in its head about yeah. just as how good you looked. And yeah. then suddenly when, when presented with the reality of what you were actually like, has gone, no, no, I can't, I don't, I don't like mm. this. I don't like this well, at all. 
Well, I've been told by many cats that I've got beautiful eyebrows. So, so I think that was probably what they were focusing on. And then when I pulled down the rest, uh, uh, wasn't quite what they were expecting. And then further to that, I had a, uh, uh, this week had a dog on the table um, and uh, similarly, never seen the dog before. So classic case of owners come in, brought the dog in and gave me no indication that the dog was in any way anxious or potentially could bite or anything like that. And, uh, and, but I could tell the dog came in and was really running around like crazy. One of those really excited, nervous dogs on, uh, yeah. had it on the floor for a bit and was doing some treats with it, but it was snatching the treats and then really, running really around. Rapid, just cool, yeah, cool, cool, yeah, really yep. running around, you know, you could perceive it as just happy to be there, but I thought, no, it's not. It's, it's really quite anxious. So I tried to give it a fair bit of time on the on the ground treats and talking to the owner and where did you go before and where have you been living and you know doing a bit of chit chat. But the whole mind all, all the time, I'm just thinking, I'm really just trying to get this dog comfortable. Mm. I'm not really. I mean, lovely person, lovely owner, but I'm really not interested in your backstory. I'm yeah. just <laughs> make your dog comfortable. I so how do you that. make your sourdough? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, which sock do you use? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So, and uh, and running around, and then eventually I thought, oh, yep, seems comfortable enough. I gave some treats, picked up, put it on the table. It seemed reasonably comfortable. I put some treats on the table, and it really started eating really quickly. And I thought, oh, it's just not looking good. But, you know, in, in for a dental check, that's right. And uh, so, anyway, I managed to have a quick look at its teeth, and it gave a little bit of a growl. Then I thought, oh, okay, we're not totally comfortable with this. And um, and so, you know, trying on the table to make it a bit more comfortable and that sort of thing. She goes, oh, it's got a bit of a hip problem. I said, look, it does need a teeth clean. She said, oh, that's great. We'll book that in. She goes, can you just check its hip? There's something about its hip. It's a bit, you know, is it lame? No, no. She goes, oh, it just looks bigger on one side. So I sort of gently caress down the body from the mat, you know, from the side of the head. Down that the body. is usually the way you do. Is you, you are yes. a gentle caresser. Yeah. Well, yes, I have been told that, but we won't go into <laughs> that. My beautiful eyebrows and my lovely caressing. Yes. And uh, and yeah, sort of just patting the dog down the side and you know getting down to the hip. And as I just got to the hip, the dog's just turned and just gone to to, to bite my hand. Well, yeah. Right. And so I've jumped back as you do, you know, yes, reflexes yep. sort of thing. And then the dog's actually jumped at me. Oh, no. Again, at my face. And if I didn't have the mask on, it would oh. I think it would have got my face. It sort of just grazed my mask. And oh then because I've jumped back and the dogs jumped forward, it then promptly just fell off the table right in front of me. Oh. I was like, it's it's oh. Wiley E. Coyote'd it, where it's jumped oh, yeah. off the cliff and it did, yeah. did it try and, and turn around and do the little... Where I landed down, yeah. yeah, and so and then there's the case of where, oh, it's just trying to beat me back away, but now it's falling. I've got to try and grab it, yes. And yeah. then I go to grab it, and of course, it tries to bite you again. So it's a real, you know, real oh, cycle of everything. So goodness, interesting, interesting the things that happen with the face mask. So saved by the face mask, I think. But and, and the dog gave me warning, fair, fair call, and sure enough, once it was on the floor, it was obviously fine. Um, yes, yeah. The yeah. owner did say to me, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, the vets do normally muzzle it when they've seen it in the past. Oh, awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, for very much. That little sousant that could yep. have saved us all a lot of trouble and your dog potentially hurting me and itself when it jumped at my face. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah oh, and th- did they say anything about the vets or previous vets also putting a parachute on for when it <laughs> launches itself off the yeah. off the table? Yeah, they said we normally we normally go into the padded consult room. Have you got one of those? Yeah. We can land on the mat and yeah. <laughs> a little uh, crash mat like what the kids have at the bounce yeah, exactly. the bounce places. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, well, you know what else is indigestible other than um other than uh, vets faces and face masks. Mm-hmm. Um I, I can categorically tell you the candle wax is not digestible by the gastrointestinal tracts of tiny whippets. 
Right. And how can you tell me about that, mate? Were you was there an incident of the the candle wax in the in the boudoir or something where uh, there was a bit dripped on the floor or that it rolled off the rolled rolled off something or other? Yeah, that, pure, uh, purely and simply a scented candle that was oh. uh, that, that that had been um uh, pro- probably to try and sort of deal with the deal with the, the smell of the tiny dog in the house. But um, but what then scent? what scent are we talking about? Oh, Bergamot probably, probably, or a... pr- probably something of a vanilla type nature. Yeah, something something fairly sort of banal and bland. Yeah, you know, we don't want to overpower things too much. But uh, sourdough, 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 sourdough yes, yes, sourdough starter. Yeah, right. Yep, that, that's it. Sa- sa- sourdough starter and Epsom salts. Lovely. It's great, yeah. So you can Lovely. just sit the candle in the bath while you're having the bath. Right, oh, right. Very soothing, very, very soothing. It's good for aching old bones. I've I picked you more as a a, a, a sandalwood and geranium kind of guy, but okay, let's go with the sourdough scented candle. Well, let, let's let's see what uh, what what other flavor candles that the girls bring back for you from their uh, from their farmers market today, and then and then you can let me know what works for you, and then we can we can compare notes on our other podcast. Two middle aged men talk scented candles. That's a good one. Excellent. So, so is this the uh, the the candle wax that came off? Where was it? Off what body part? Uh, well, well, Where, well what, it was eaten. What do you mean? It, what are you talking well, about? It was chewed. So, so, so the tiny right. dog had access to a candle that she probably shouldn't have. And so, uh, in in the chewing of said uh, said candle, um, we then dis- dis- uh, discovered that um, certain little bits of uh, little 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 tiny fragments of wax then gets uh, get, gets released through the through in the feces. Of right. small dogs, so yeah. so yeah, so wax, yeah. As Ralph Wiggum said to uh, to Homer Simpson in that in the classic Simpsons episode, "You don't want to eat wax, Mister. You'll get wax in your mouth." Well, he was right, but then the wax comes out the other end as well. So wax on, wax out. Wow. It turns out. And um, just a query, just a friend yes. wondering, um, this this the scent is still there. Uh, it, look, strangely enough, there was it actually been quite overpowered at that stage by the general. <laughs> Yeah, the, the fecal nature of, uh, of what was around there. I mean, we, we did try to see if there was a wick in there that we could sort of light up and see if then you know, light, lighting up a, a poo candle helps with the poo smell. But you know, li- lighting up poo, I think in general, is probably just going to increase the fragrance rather than decrease. Because perhaps we could have a chat to, to Delicate Care about doing like a, uh, a, a kibble that's coated in you know, vanilla-scented candle wax. So that right. when the poos come through, because it's indigestible, you've you've already done yep. the research. Absolutely, it through, it's, it, there is no smell. So it's like it's like just picking up a when you get to it fresh, like just a warm bit of vanilla scent, and just so just lovely. So what what you're talking here, Lewis, is 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 what could only be described as like a a net zero fragrance out of the feces. So so you've got a certain a certain poo smell that comes out that's then offset by the mm. by the scented wax that mm. comes through. Kind um, of like kind of like when you're in the toilet and you just spray the spray after you've been in the toilet, and all it's doing is just really masking the fact that the toilet anyway this is a good chat let's get back to talking about the monarchy and and, and, and the know, queen and stuff that was that was fun that, that was much fun and, and you know what else is uh, what else is indigestible we had a um we had one of those classic fridays this week we were talking about it on the phone when we had our um our, our, our production meeting on friday of um are you going to be free to record well no actually i'm only just coming home from work now and i'm stuffed yeah no me too all right well let's try and do it over the weekend um so so we had we had one of those typical fridays where you've already got a busy surgery list 
and then suddenly an exploratory laparotomy comes in. So I was like, okay, right, well, we'll add that one to the list. Let's get in and get that one done. But then also then had a- exploratory laparotomy is- A very good point is a surgery where you're going, right, well, we need to go in and explore this, uh, so exploring the dog's abdomen, checking all the organs and bits, looking for foreign bodies and obstructions and trying to work out why this little dog was vomiting as much as what it was. and uh, you know, just as happenstance would have it, just uh, you know, in the, the the later on morning consults, in comes a dog that was seen to have eaten a stone uh, on the Sunday and has then been vomiting uh, two or three times every Ugh. day through the week because you know, the, as we said, this is a Friday, and uh, yes. wow, this is going to be difficult. And so, in, in questioning the owner, so and you're, you're thinking, oh man, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. I said, so has your dog been eating in that time? Oh yeah still been eating it's just vomits in the morning and then it has its breakfast and it's fine through the day but it just vomits every morning and so you start going through your head lewis of thinking about you know, could it be like a one of these dogs that's got bilious vomiting syndrome or is it some other metabolic thing or something else happening and i said look you know it's going to be worthwhile yeah it, in, in my head i'm i've already thought oh, no, this is great no not not surgical the um the, the the vet that's out the back that's doing all the surgeries having kittens because she's going oh my goodness there's going to be another another exploratory surgery she wasn't actually having kittens oh. they were that you know just there's just a metaphorical say, that's, that's a modern miracle why aren't we talking about that rather than talking about the monarchy the, well i need the, to have something to talk about next week the, the vet <laughs> the vet having kittens wow. that's right yes uh yeah but in, she covered them in wax so they came out you know the other it was a smelling into, like to, vanilla Made them in indigestible kitten candles. It's fantastic. <laughs> hey, that now we've got a thing that we're going to sell at the store at the Cat Lovers Show: indigestible kitten scented candles. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. We'll get we'll get we'll get our lawyers onto it to make sure that nobody steals the paper. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so I said to the owners, look, look for for the sake of it, let's just take an X-ray because we'll check and make sure that. Everything's all okay. Um, and before we go on stage, oh, yeah, yeah, no problems. Go take an x-ray. Ran it out the back, took an x-ray. Yeah, stone in the dog's stomach. Oh, stone yeah. in the dog's stomach. And like, oh, oh crap. Yeah. Crap and crap, crap. Full of food, though. And so, so this dog's been eating its food every day, morning and night, and then not vomiting, but it's only been vomiting in the mornings. Wow. So I figure what must have been happening is that the stone, because it was a bit of a jaggedy looking stone. So I thought, oh, this stone must just be sitting in the stomach and causing irritation when the, when the stomach is empty, but just as happenstance would have it, it just hasn't passed into the small intestine yet. And so, well, look, we've got, we've got three ways that we can play this. You know, one is that we go in and surgically and remove it. Two is that I send you off to go and get it removed endoscopically. Or three, we try and see whether or not we can make it vomit and see whether or not we can, you know, if it's gone down, we can get it back out. Mm. It's, it's The stomach is full of food, so it might come out. And they said, let it ride. Let's go option number yeah, three. Of course. So of course. Gave, it, gave it option number three. It was a, and uh, yeah, out goes a 10, 10 month old Labrador too. So it's like, you know, it's oh, a foreign yeah. body until proven otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, out came the, uh, out came the stones. So I managed to get that. And so the, um, that the hap- that the two happiest people in the world was one the owner that then they didn't have to go and have surgery to have the the stone removed, and two was Steph in surgery thinking okay right well there we go that's a that's the second exploratory surgery I don't have to do on the Friday so <laughs> so perfect stones indigestible as well stones and wax those, those wow. are my, my two indigestible things that I had to deal with last week.
the thing that's amazing, I reckon, with especially like the Labradors, is you get them to vomit. You know, they make them feel terrible. They feel nauseous, so they do vomit. And as soon as they vomit, then like, oh, food! Look at that! So you have to have a nurse with them the whole time to get lead them away from the tasty meal they've just brought up, yeah, and swallow it down again. So I, I have spoken about the the dog that we made vomiting up the chucks, haven't I? Uh, I'm pretty sure I've oh, sure spoken about that. Maybe yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. yeah. If, if, if any of our listeners haven't heard me tell that story and would like to hear it, send us an email at twovetstalkpets at gmail.com and say, tell me about the dog and the chucks. And we'll, we'll swap it in for that little section we did about talking about Robbie's views on the monarchy and the queen uh, next uh, next next podcast. But well, uh, ne- next week, I was going to talk about the um the, the flood wall that they've built at uh, at Flemington Racecourse to, to try and save the Melbourne Cup, so that then it just floods all the people that live down river. So so that's what I was going to talk about next week. But if you don't want to talk about that, and you want me to talk about the dog and the chucks, just let me know. Another another chat. Uh, we could also then uh, segue into into your thoughts on the Melbourne Cup, mate. But maybe well, maybe we can save that for for another another political comment that we'll save for next time, eh? Sure, why not? But, why not? We'll, we'll wait until we get our betting ad revenue in, and then we'll and then and then we'll talk openly about the Melbourne Cup. Okay, so be uh, speaking non politically. Uh, yes. Big thank you to Zilkeen. Yes. Uh, alpha cazozapine, mild anxiety lowering medication. Um, great for for um, for any a dog or a cat that you think maybe just showing a few fear or anxiety signs. Had a uh, had a behaviour consult this week with a uh, a puppy that um, interestingly they had eight month eight month old puppy. Um, I don't think they'd had dogs before, and they thought. Um, that their eight-month-old puppy was a little bit over the top, a little bit, um, you know, just, exuberant. Just, yeah, exuberant. And I didn't realise until they got a new four-month-old puppy who was very chill, very relaxed, didn't follow them around the house, didn't yow when they left that they thought, hang on a sec, this eight-month-old probably needs a little bit of attention. So they came to me and, and we sort of, we, you know, we chatted about things and, and they were very keen to go on medication. I mm. thought, look, I'm not sure at eight months, that this dog needs the medication yet. I'm mm. going to keep in touch with you. We're going to chat every fortnight anyway, see how you're going. So if we do need some medication, we can. But look, I really think you're going to benefit from putting the dog on some Zilkine. I really think there's something, no side effects. Um, the anxieties you're talking about, they're pretty mild. Mm. I think there's a lot of training we can do. So we took back getting a trainer in. But first step was, look, I think we'll try a little bit of Zilkine uh, on the food. So update you next week when I next talk to them and see how uh, how the little puppy's going and whether we're, uh, we're, we're, we're adapting with a little bit more uh, consistency in their environment as well as the Zilkine. Right. Wow. Well, there you go. You know, Mm. zucchini at work at the coalface. Exactly. Um, And and something that has no coal in it is delicate care because (laughs) delicate care is is just made from as much Australian sourced ingredients as you can get. Delicate care made over by the wonderful people over in Perth in their export quality factory. Um, You know, with all their great uh, great diets, they've got they've got dental, sensitive skin and stomach, mobility support, weight management. They've also got their Cherish brand, which is their uh, they're, they're just a normal standard. I need a wonderful diet for my dog and cat. What could I have them on? Well, my goodness, you can have them on just a straight old Cherish. Uh, so, yeah, uh, delicate care. Have a talk with your vet if your uh, dog needs special dietary requirements because I'm sure delicate care would have an option for you. Excellent. And uh, a slight disclaimer, there is no wax in delicate care. 
No, no, no. There's no, no, yeah. no wax. Yes. There's no kittens. There's no dolphin. There's no <laughs> stones either. There's no stones. Nothing, not nothing at all. indigestible. It's all digestible, except for the fiber, which could be indigestible, but that's in contrast to digestible fiber, which is all good for the gut. Yes. Probiotic, yeah. prebiotic, it's all in there. And anything that doesn't and anything that's in there that can't be digested comes out in a in a wonderful package out of the dog's bum 24 to 48 hours later, um, just ready for you to pick up and then pop into a bin, preferably if you're using a compostable bag. Exactly. And it is, well, it is was developed as low, what's termed low residue. So it would be a very small bag, you're right, and it'd be very compostable. Very well put, Robbie. Great little tip on the delicate care range there. No, and no also, problems at all, mate. I think I think in all the all the years we've been um, espousing and we haven't spoken about you know, how, you know, all, all the good stuff that comes out, not necessarily the good stuff that goes in. Yeah, a oh, good one. I like that. It's 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 not just the good stuff that goes into delicate care. It's the it's the not good stuff that comes out. Is that what we're saying? No, we're no, 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 we're no, no, no. It's it's, the, it's still good stuff that comes out. Oh. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, but 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 the the good stuff that, that's in there that needs to stay in there stays in there, but the good stuff that comes out comes out is a good stuff. Excellent. It's still good stuff. Yeah, good you're not going to reuse it though. I mean, it's not recyclable. But no. And speaking of good stuff, good stuff to our Patreon supporters. Yeah, so we're Thank probably you. scratching their heads wondering yeah. why the hell they've supported us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for the last twenty minutes of the monarchs <laughs> and the in, eating candles and stuff. No, that's uh, that's really good. That's that's gold stuff, guys. Well, I'm going to move on to some something I saw in the news. Yes, uh, I don't know when, but it was in the Age, and uh, titled uh, "Deer Are Not Good Pets." Excellent. Very good. Something, Comprehensive something we've, we've always known, I think. Uh, the coroner calls for register after man killed. And so it's a little bit of a, Ooh, um, okay. a little bit upsetting sort of story. A uh, Victorian couple were attacked by their pet deer exchange goodbyes after realizing one or both of them would not survive. Oh, crap. Um, so they'd raised this buck, which is a male deer, from a fawn. Um, and then obviously it got to a certain age where... Um, where it become hit maturity, hit the rutting season, mm, yeah, um, and, and it had developed some antlers on it, and uh, and I think uh, um, the day before the deer's behaviour had changed in the days before the incident, um, and the man ident- um, was no longer prepared to go into the closure. The wife said, but it, the the deer had got its antlers uh, caught in the fence, so the male um, unfortunately deceased went in to try and untangle and then got attacked and pinned to the ground. Um, and the wife and son ran to his aid, bring stones, timber, and a crossbow to protect themselves. Yeah. Wow. I know. Um, and then the son ran to get a gun from the shed, but returned when he heard his mother scream um, and she tried to put herself between the deer and her husband and she got attacked as well. So luckily there was a, there was a paramedic who lived next door who came to help them. Um, and uh Unfortunately, the husband did pass away at the scene and the, the, the woman survived. Uh, it goes on to say that t- more than 20 people went to Victorian hospital emergency departments with injuries caused by deer between 2010 and 2020, so in the last 10 years. So what's that? Two people a year get injured by deer. Jeez. Uh, even when breeding captivity, deer do not make good pets, he said. While they can be tamed... They become increasingly unmanageable as they mature, he said. During mating season, which runs four to five weeks from late March in Australia, male deer exert dominance over each other. Domesticated deer may attack humans during mating season and can turn dangerous to protect their young, he said. 
The coroner also recommended Agriculture Victoria circulate a safety warning or information about best practice for de-antling deer before the mating season. So it's all good and fine when you find that abandoned deer in the woods or wherever it might be or in the, the bushland, you know, and you decide you're going to raise little Bambi. Mm. Um, but then when they do grow up, they do get horribly aggressive. And certainly, I don't know about you, mate, but when we were vet students, we did a few tours of some deer farm and saw the way they're handled. And you've just got to be so careful anywhere, particularly around the running season with the deer. Yeah, no, I, I actually didn't have any real experience with them at all. I think we had the, our, our two lectures and it all sounded like very, very, um, you know, big and scary stuff. So it's like, you know, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll think I will leave that. Um, gee whiz. Well, yeah, well, two, two, yeah. people, two people a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, um, yeah, certainly remember going to the farm and the crush, you, you know, normal cattle crush is, you know, I don't know, shoulder height kind of mm. thing. And the deer crush is like, it's literally, you know, like 10 foot high. Yeah. Um, and solid on the sides. And you put a deer in there and you can't really see what they're doing. And the noise you hear of yeah. the deer trying to leap over it and get out of there. And and that's the way. And then they obviously got to um, give them anesthetics to de-antler them and stuff. But, yeah, it's, um, they are they are really get quite aggro. So um, certainly, yeah, I, I wouldn't be keeping one as a pet. No way. No, no, no. It's um, gee, there's plenty, there's, there's plenty of other animals out there that would make better pets. Yeah, but maybe get yourself a nice little Jersey cow or something like that that's just going to wander around. I mean, it might not be quite as cool on your Instagram page, but, you know, it's still going to be, a you know, a bit more of a reasonable. Anyway. But- yeah, it was just really sad, sad instance there. And I guess the, the, the worry is, yeah, you do get them when they're young. They're very cute when they're young, but uh, once they hit maturity, it's a bit like, um, you know, some people that keep orangutans and things like that. As soon as they hit mm. sexual maturity, there's some real issues there. Yeah, kind of mm. like kids. <laughs> Goats, I mean goats, baby goats, because oh, then they start yes. weighing on their, yeah, yeah. they start start weighing on their on their chins, you know. Yes, yeah, the kids yeah. do. Yes, yeah, just, just like rugby players. Hang on, what? What? What oh, are we talking Jesus. about? Now? Wow. So, um, so uh, I've I've got a story here about a cat found alive and well after spending ten days missing in the cold at Melbourne Airport. So this is from this is from Nine News on the uh, the third of August by Serena Safet. An elderly cat has remarkably been found alive and well after being missing around Melbourne Airport for 10 days in freezing conditions. Um, and look, this this could have been in January because let's face it, Tullamarine Airport is usually cold every every day of the year. Um, an airport worker found Bugsy the cat hiding down a muddy drain near Terminal 2 at the airport late on Tuesday afternoon, leading to the pet being reunited with her owners last night. The much-loved cat had gone missing at the airport on July 23rd with her distressed owner is unable to find it. Their daughter took to Facebook to explain the situation and plead for help to find the pet. She posted that Bugsy had sneakily decided to hitch a ride, in inverted commas, in the car with her 72-year-old dad when he drove from their home in Bendigo to pick up her mum at the airport. She said that when the couple opened the door on the level one of the car park, Bugsy had a little freak out and bolted. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Imagine that. 
They spent a great deal of time at 1am and the age of 72 trying to find her with no luck and returned home to Bendigo distraught, the daughter explained. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? Gosh. The airport worker who discovered Bugsy posted about his find on Facebook, leading to him being connected with her owners. Thousands of animal lovers have celebrated the happy ending on Facebook with many sharing how concerned they had been for the cat and her owners. This is the best news. So happy for the owners, one woman shared. I'm so happy to hear that Bugsy is safe. I've been worrying about him and wishing I lived near the airport so I could help look. Another posted. So, you know, what great news. And there's some wonderful photos here of um, of Bugsy. You know, Bugsy's a tortoiseshell, you know, and she looks like one of those classic tortoiseshells that just, you know, crotchety old, you know, grumpy tortoiseshell cat. Right. Um, uh, pictures here of the airport workers um, feeding her some tu- some tuna lures. Um, in, in clear, and there's, I think because they weren't sure which type of tuna she would want, they've actually got some um, sirena tuna in Itali- Italian style in oil, but also then um, I think a, a fresh uh, a, a tuna in just in just water. So so just in case she liked oily tuna or or fresh tuna, they gave her the option of both. Wow, you know what would made the story a bit more exciting if the 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 cat had actually been found in in the Rome airport. Oh yes, yeah. Right. So it, it, it had taken a flight of its own accord and was found in in Rome Airport. Wouldn't that have been a story? When it had taken off and they, they yeah. scanned the microchip and go, hang on a second, hang we've on. actually got our. It's registered know. to uh, for for um, Yobbo Court in in Melbourne. That in would Melbourne, have been yes. Bendigo. Bendigo, 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 yes, 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 definitely. Oh wow, that's good, excellent, good find. Um, and, and 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 news just to hand too, Lewis. News just mm-hmm. to hand. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a dog spends a terrifying night trapped on table in flooded Victorian home. Um, a dog has spent a terrifying 24 hours trapped on top of a table in a flooded home in Victoria, but luckily escaped unharmed. Missy was stuck on a table in a Maribyrnong home after floodwaters quickly inundated mm. the town with little warning for residents. Her owner, Ulfet, said they left Missy behind at 6am yesterday, thinking they would have time to go back and get her, but they became stranded a couple of streets away. She's been here overnight, so we've come back and grabbed her this morning. Luckily, she's fine. She found a high place to rest and was safe. Ulfet said the water would have been lapping at Missy's feet while she sheltered on the table. He said that while the house was severely flood damaged, he's glad that Missy is okay. It's a lot of damage, uh, more than we were expecting. The previous time it flooded here was pretty much my ankle height in comparison to what we're looking at now. Just the sediment and all the dirt that's left behind is kind of what's Mm. overwhelming. So there we go. So news just to hand dog survives on a table amazing so that that's the recent floods we had uh just in victoria haven't we? absolutely still, yeah yeah so not, this, some towns still still affected by it absolutely yeah yeah up um up in the north of victoria and uh and down uh in the northern northern suburbs of melbourne a lot of houses are going through some pretty massive cleanups now trying to deal with the uh the, the flooding that's uh that's come down from our uh you know, La Nina rains. Yeah, still, there's still some flooding, I think, in Shepparton, sort of some evacuation. So thoughts are with those people and their animals and pets that they've, you know, had to get out and, um, and you know, particularly in the country sort of areas, the thoughts with uh, people who are obviously going to lose some of their livestock, which is uh, really quite distressing. So absolutely times, mate, definitely. Uh, this and I um I saw a uh, this is my dad sent me this uh, the other the real doctor the real doctor Kirkham yeah um sent me this article from the Age your pup thinks like a toddler study finds oh really 
Uh, many people treat their dogs as their children, and new research has found that dogs regulate their behaviour in the same way as a preschooler. Right. Research from the Latrobe University studied the behaviour of 741 dogs from Australia, the UK, and other countries looking at how they perform various tasks. Lead researcher and PhD candidate at the Latrobe University, Micah Farreta, said they identified in the dog six key markers of what is known as executive function. Right. Is, is, is an executive function where you go to work in a suit and in a tie and you know people make you coffee? Yes, yes. So 741 dogs, they dressed in a suit and tie and found they could still function. They gave them some food and they, no. Uh, Executive function is higher brain functions that include working, memory, flexible thinking, and self-control. Executive functions are processes that we all use, humans and dogs, as well as our animals, to regulate our behavior, she said. Dogs live in close proximity to humans usually, and in the case of working dogs, can have quite complex interactions with humans. So their level of executive function might predict how well they're doing. The researchers held focus groups with people who work with dogs professionally, including staff from the Seeing Eye Dogs Vision Australia, to determine the sorts of behaviours working dogs display daily. They then put out an open call for dog owners to take part in the survey, which asked them to identify them to rate their dogs on the identified behaviours. The identified six components of executive functioning dogs, behavioural flexibility, attention towards owner, motor inhibition, instruction following, delay inhibition and working memory. Ferreta said that that puts dogs on about the same level as humans preschools in terms of being able to regulate their own behavior, able to do some of it for themselves, but needing guidance from adult humans for other things. For preschool kids, they exhibit five executive functions. For school age kids, they exhibit around seven and adults have eight. Oh, so, so there's, only, there's only one increase. Yes. What's, what's that? Is that tax? Uh paying tax is that the is that the additional that you get yeah. from being a kid to an adult yeah probably and and self-control self ah yeah right yeah. yeah yeah i'm still waiting for that one yeah oh, yeah when it comes to Not- chocolate <laughs> uh co-author animal condition expert dr tiffany howe from latrobe university said the study highlights a reason dogs have such a special relationship with humans there are other animals that have similar levels of cognition to dogs, but they do not regulate their behavior in ways that best suit living with humans. And that includes deer, I think. How yes. said. So interesting. Does uh, your um, uh, your little one uh, just uh, like a toddler, do you think? Uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, our, our kids um, tried to test the digestibility of, uh, of, of wax yeah, when they were toddlers as well. So, um, so, so it only stands to, to reason that, yeah, that's just following along what, what you, what we expect to see from toddlers. So absolutely. Yeah. She's a, you know, the, the kids would rip up toilet rolls and, you know, run out and, you know, try and lick bird poo off the, uh, off the, 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 the roads. So it's all, it's all, it's all exactly the same. Bird poo off the roads. Yeah. They, off the driveway. Good, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that what just, Sage does. You know is, that, I don't know, is that instead of their, their third COVID vaccine, they just go and uh, just lick the bird poo. Just their, their next bird flu vaccination. Guys, go and, go and, you know, go and lick up the latest bit of bird poo there. Oh, nice. Stop, stop, stop bird flu. Uh, they haven't had bird flu once. So, no, so I, I can only extrapolate and go that therefore they didn't need the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, very good. Is that you, Pete Evans, on the line there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just crush some activated almonds up around there as well, and away we go. Yeah. Um, all righty. What about all disclaimer? Right. 
All advice on the show is generally in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we missed anything or if you need any clarification. All right, Lewis, what are we talking about? Well, this week, mate, um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, I've had a couple of sort of similar incidences that have occurred, I suppose, with uh, with cats and uh, one cat and one dog, and uh, sort of uncommon things that we see every now and then. Uh, the first one is a what we call a um, a saddle thrombus or a saddle clot that we see in cats, or sometimes it's called a feline aortic thromboembolism or yep. a fate. Fate, fate, yes. which unfortunately is very, uh, very poignant an acronym because mm. the fate of the cat is often not good, unfortunately. So that is exactly right. Uh, I'll um, I can give a bit of background, but you're you're our internal med guy. But basically, there's a there's a little uh, these cats often form a clot in their heart, a blood clot because they've got some sort of heart condition, um, and often the heart and and in this cat, um, we'd never seen it before, so we weren't sure about a heart heart issue per se and often that clot gets thrown out of the heart travels down the aorta um, and then gets lodged somewhere um, sort of in the hip area you know around the back leg sort of area and it's called a, a saddle thrombus because uh, that's sort of bloodstream splits off at that point and and often that and it's really really painful all the ones i've seen the cats are screaming like anything it's really really painful um and this cat yeah exactly was really really painful and actually carl saw it and I, i'm not um he wasn't sure what it was and i said it oh, was a cat really really painful he goes yeah yeah i got yeah look i think it's probably a saddle thrombus mm. sounds like he rang me uh, to talk about it um it was early one morning. So, and often they get, uh, they then get uh, loose blood circulation to their back legs and they get stiff in the back legs and cold. And, um, yeah. Um, and, and often, I, I don't know, without sort of looking up the, the stats often it's fairly poor prognosis, especially if they've got sort of heart failure to go with it. Um, you know, pain control is really important. Um, part of it, there are some medications to try and thin and reduce the clot that, that maybe help, maybe don't help. But um, unfortunately this cat uh, was very unwell and we couldn't, we could get his pain under control, but um, really couldn't get any sort of movement in the back legs and, and uh, the owners decided on euthanasia. So, very sort of sad condition, isn't it, mate? Uh, you got it is. Yeah, shed a bit more light on it. Yeah. So, um, you're you're right there with um, sort of the the background on it is usually there's an underlying thing there. You know, the 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 end result is that is that saddle thrombus, and um, but usually it's there's there's something that's causing the blood to stagnate, which then causes activation of the platelets when it shouldn't normally be there. So, um, and cats, <clears throat> given that they're not small dogs. They don't get the, the same sorts of heart diseases as what dogs do. So quite often with cats, they can get what's called a hype or a cardiomyopathy where there's issues where the bottom chamber of the heart is not able to dilate and, and sort of fill up with blood correctly. And so as the heart muscle is changing, you get blood, you get changes in the, the valves between the top chamber and the bottom chamber, blood shoots up to the top chamber and as it's floating up there, that top chamber just starts to distend and distend and distend. So the atria gets really, really big. But the, all that blood that's up there, it's really slow moving and sludgy. And blood, when it gets slow moving and sludgy, 
often then that's when you start to get activation of your clotting factors. So what often happens with these cats is they start to get um, their, a, a clotting cascade that starts to take place within that top chamber of the heart. And so your platelets, and we've spoken about platelets in the past, platelets are the small little cells that help to try and plug holes in burst blood vessels. So you basically just get these little platelet clumps starting to clot, um, clump together. And that's basically what a clot is. So when you're diagnosing these cats to try and look at what's happening with their heart issues, if you get them before um, they've thrown a thrombus, when you put the ultrasound on, you see these massively big dilated top chambers of the heart and you see all what we call spontaneous contrast. So it's like if you get a snow globe and you shake up the snow globe and you just see all these little, um, or the, the clots are just zooming, zooming, zooming around mm. in that top chamber of the heart. And that, that's when you say, okay, right, this cat's got heart disease. Well, for whatever the what you know, it's restrictive cardiomyopathy, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, whatever. Um, but then that's leading to dilation of that top chamber, activation of the platelets, the formation of the clots, and all you need to have happen is one of those clots goes from the top chamber, gets shot down uh, down into the bottom chamber, into particularly on the left-hand side in the left ventricle. The left ventricle then shoots it out into the body and that clot that just then shoots out and wherever it lands, it causes the problems. So if that's like, you can get these pulmonary or you can get these thromboemboli happening in the lungs. You can get them happening in your kidneys. You can get them up in your brain. You can get them um, into the left, into your left leg, your, your subclavian artery you know, where you, anywhere where you've got these big arteries but the most common one is that uh the what we call the trifurcation of your aorta so your aorta comes from your heart and it shoots off your, your major blood vessels running all the way down your body to get blood to your liver and your gut and your kidneys and all the bits and pieces that need to have fresh blood but when it gets to the end, you've got one that shoots off to one back leg, one that shoots off to the other back leg, and one that shoots off to your tail. And that clot just bang, lodges there, and it can't mm. move. Mm. So basically, your tail, your back legs get starved of oxygen, and that's what causes the pain. So while they're not getting blood down there and you're not getting oxygen, you've still got your nerves your nerves working. So while those back legs are screaming, screaming with, um, for oxygen, um, you just, you know, they, the cats can still feel all that pain and discomfort. And one of the ways that we test them, as you were saying before, is um, is you, you feel for the, the temperature. So the, these cats, they come in with these paralyzed back legs and you feel their back legs and they are ice cold mm. and you feel their front legs and they're still warm. And that's when you go, yeah, no, look, something pretty ordinary is happening mm. here. And I've actually um, then sometimes put our ultrasound probe on and you can actually see the clot sitting up the mm. end of the, up the end of the aorta. So um, yeah, I think, and I think also with the, the, the inflammatory mediators that come off the back legs that, or, you know, that are produced because of that clot as well, cause a lot of other changes too, which makes the prognosis poor as well, even if you can dissolve that clot. So and, it's a big part you, of it. And as you were saying, even if you could pull your magic wand out and, you know, um, get that, get rid of that clot straight away. I mean, a, you then get what's called reperfusion injury. So then you've got all the, um, these organs or the, the back legs that have been starved of oxygen. And then suddenly if they get a massive surge of, of uh, oxygenated blood come through, then that causes problems as well. Even if you could avoid that and you treat the cat for pain and everything, you've still got a cat that's got an underlying heart disease and you've mm. still got a cat that's got a top chamber of the heart that's still full of, um, still full of clots. 
and all that's got needs to happen is another one of those clots just comes out and then shoots through. So, um, so that's the reason a lot of these cats, when we do diagnose them with having these um, heart issues, um, that one of the medications they get put on is a, basically like a blood thinning medication to try and stop those clots from forming because it's such a such a common uh, consequence of having these heart heart diseases. Mm, and the difficulty we've got is is identifying it early like you mentioned sure you can do a you know a, a ultrasound of the heart and you get a bit of an idea but often in a consult if you if you see them there's often and you listen to the heart you often don't hear anything particularly abnormal with the, with the heart at all hey, i mean you, you you can you may hear a heart murmur you know if you've got turbulence of the blood flow mm. um but you know, you might also just have a cat that's, you know, just being acting like it's getting a bit older, you know, or it might be a young cat that's mm. had a heart murmur for a while. Um, you know, it, it can, as you say, it can happen then really, really suddenly. So yeah. I guess one of the, um, one of the big things with that is that we always try and say to people is if we do diagnose your cat with having a heart murmur, the only way that you can tell what those, what that heart is doing is actually by getting a, a heart ultrasound or yes. a cardiogram done. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the times when you're doing those, the news often isn't good, you know, like, because you, if you were compared to, if you've got a dog, that's got a heart murmur and you can put them on medications, or you could have a fairly asymptomatic heart murmur cats. If they've got heart murmurs, particularly if then they've got high heart rates or gallop rhythm. So when the, the heart beat is good, it's really fast, really, really fast all of those are pretty poor prognostic signs. And we've, we've had a couple of cats that um, the, the, probably the other thing to say with this is it's one of the heartbreaking things. It's often a young cat that ends up with these yeah. things too, yeah. you know, like it could be a young cat that ends up with these heart problems that then, um, that then end up getting these saddle thrombi or, or, you know, you know clots up into the brain or, um, or renal, renal failure from it, unfortunately at a really, really young age. So it's a really, really crap thing to have happen. But um, I, I know that there are medications you can do. I know some people try and work really hard to try and dissolve the clot slowly and things like that. But gee whiz, these cats are painful, you mm. know, and, and mm. unfortunately, you know, I do, uh, in, in, in my hands, the times of where we tried um, at treating these cats, it usually ends poorly and usually yeah. we end up putting them to sleep. So I think, I think sometimes putting them, making the decision to put them to sleep earlier in the, in the, in the piece probably saves them a lot of suffering given that oh, the prognosis is pretty poor. Totally agree. I think the hardest part sometimes is not convincing owners, but uh, really going through the process of how the young cat suddenly developed this, this condition out of the blue and isn't there something you can do. And mm. so it's just one of those really frustrating things, but, but I guess them seeing their cat in pain does sometimes expedite that decision to euthanize as well that you know, whatever we give we still can't get that pain under control but mm. i guess in a in a similar vein perhaps a little bit more on the uh, the spectrum of of uh not good to better um saw a similar situation i suppose in um you know well i didn't see it uh, again carl saw it uh, an eight-year-old oodle that came in yeah um, actually uh, rang up, I think, and spoke to one of the vets, and you know, the owner was saying, "Oh, it looks like my dog's had a stroke." And um, and look, that's that's not something we commonly see in mm. dogs. Uh, certainly, a stroke is not not top of our differentials. Um, and it was an eight year old dog, and I, I, I wasn't involved at all with it. But the the vet said, "Oh, look, it's got to go to emergency if it's you know doing paralyzed, whatever it is." So, rang the emergency clinic, and they were on bypass. So then the owner sort of rang us back and said, "I really you know need to have the dog seen." So, so I think they spoke to Carl. So I said, "Come." 
down and um and he had a look at it and he came into me i was in the other consult room and he goes this dog's really weird you know it's really weird it's paralyzed on just one side of its body and right. i was you know i was in the middle of the consult and i was like oh, that's yeah that sounds really weird and sort of you know i'm trying to think through things he goes oh, i think it's had a stroke and i said well it's not really a common thing to have a stroke. You know, we don't see a lot of that in dogs really. And, um, you know, it's, it's a bit young to have the, a, a geriatric vestibular disease. And, you know, there's no eye movements, that, the nystagmus that we talk about, funny mm. eye movements you get with that. Uh, you know, it was. is there any toxins? That you, no, there's no toxins. Dog hasn't been into anything. It's just, just was walking in the park and suddenly screaming in pain um and and then paralyzed on one side and then now um now she said it's actually slowly been improving in the 20 or 30 minutes it took ringing around all the different clinics yeah. to get down just to see us in the end um and i thought that's really weird and then just a light bulb went off in my head and i've never seen it before and i said could it be one of those fibro cartilaginous you know uh embolism sort of things that the dogs get and and uh and we sort of you know hastily started googling yeah. and getting the books yeah, out yeah, and having yeah. a read of it because just you know one of those things when you just think of something and and yes. and, and we it saw sure did seem like that and it's a similar sort of thing that i suppose dogs get where instead of being a blood clot it's often like it is a bit of fibro cartilage or a little bit of cartilaginous stuff we think just um uh, somewhere detaches and then lodges in the bloodstream and and where it lodges causes um, causes some sort of paralysis. And often it is sort of one side, it can be both sides, but often it is one sided in, in, uh, in dogs. And, and classically, you know, they tend tends to cause instant pain and instant weakness or weakness can develop a little bit over time. Um, and then, then over, uh, over a period of, it can take up to three to four months, they tend to improve. And so we sort of said, oh, look, let's put this dog into hospital. We'll give it some pain relief. Mm. Um, it was interesting. It was drooling as well, which was sort of a bit complicated to think, why is it drooling? Yeah. You know, is it a toxin? Is something is eaten sort of, um, but not sure why the drooling was perhaps there was a pain response. There was something weird. Um, and you know, we put it in the hospital, gave it some pain relief and the dog really actually gradually improved pretty quickly. And, and um, sort of within a couple of hours it was, yeah, Howling and howling and wanting to go home. So we said, look, walking, do everything fine. We can go home again. Really? Like it was walking in that time yeah, as well. Yeah. Incredible. That's bizarre. Improvement really quickly. And yeah. um, still a little bit unsteady, but walking a lot better and enough to say, look, you can go home. And, you know, we don't, it seems quite anxious being here. Let's, uh, let's send it yeah, home. Right. So, um, so, yeah, it's sort of a better response, much, much better prognosis than, um, than, than the cats with the saddle thrombus. But uh, have you seen many of those, mate? Have you you've seen a few? I've had a couple um, and, and different, different experiences to, to, to the ones that, that you had. Um, the ones that we had were, um, like initial pain and then and then just the the paralysis that was then just there for an extended period of time right. you know, like as in a long 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 time yeah, you know? right. um so i think i guess what it might because that when you talk about the 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 fce the fibrocartilaginous embolism the fact that it blocks the blood vessel i guess it probably depends on it depends on what blood vessel and where as to mm. what gets damaged further down. Um, and it might be if it was a smaller little tributary that if you can then get peripheral circulation, mm. you know, like, so mm. um, your aorta is kind of like a one-stop shop in that, you know, it's your main, main way of getting blood down to the, down to your back legs. 
Whereas if you've got um, collateral circulation, then you can then start to get dilation of blood vessels in other areas in order to try and help to get blood flow going somewhere if there is a bit of a blockage. Um, so the two cases that I've seen of um, FC, because the other things you need to, because the ones that I've seen have been a lot more paralyzed, like we've needed to think about other things. Is it intervertebral disc disease? So yes. has it has it blown a disc up into its spinal cord? Um, is it some sort of a bleed? You know, so has it been a um, has it been a, a, a hemorrhage? Um, you know, is there um, you know is it you know, other traumas? Mm. You know, um, you know things other weird things. I'm also um, Things like um, you know, snake bites, you know, yes. snake bites and tick tick inflammations yes. and all that sort of stuff, um, all start to get, get into the mix. But the weird thing is with these dogs is, and the hard thing with an FCE is, you you kind of need to like if they're when they're severe, like with your ones. If, if something goes wrong with a dog and they start getting better, well, then it's great. You know, like yes. you, 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 then, you then pick your diagnosis and go, well, this is what we think it is. And, and you beauty because it's gotten yeah, better. It's and getting better. Okay. We fixed it. Yeah. yeah. Cured it. Um, Aren't we amazing? The, the hard thing is that, well, I mean, you are amazing, but in this case, ultra Thank amazing. Um, but when the dog's still showing the signs and you sit there and you go, far out, you know, uh, like we, we, the only way that you can diagnose FC is by ruling out everything else. Yeah. You know? So you need to, go and do a CSF tap to rule out meningitis. And then you do your, your, um, your myelogram to make sure that there's no intervertebral disc disease. And then, yep. yeah. And snake then you got to be thinking, then ticks. you do a yep. snake venom yep. detection kit. You've got to look for ticks. You've got to do mm. all of these, all of this crap. Um, and then go, Oh, well, your dog's probably just got an FCE and then we're just gonna have to wait and see what's going to happen. So, wait it out. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, so I, do, I think you can do an MRI and if you're lucky, you can probably try and locate where the little if you know sometimes you can do that but but sending a dog that's paralyzed for mri sort of first up is pretty full-on sort of treatment stuff isn't it absolutely yeah a you're going to be able to find an mri to get them into and then uh you know so so, it's, so 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 it is uh yeah it, it's been it's been quite a while since i've seen one so touch wood you know hopefully we um you know uh, we don't we don't see one now that we've spoken no. about it um because you know sometimes when you do mention things and bad things happen like we're driving uh we had the kids down at this is completely off the topic of FCEs. We're driving down to mum and dad yesterday. And we get, thought we'd take stage. Did you see the queen? Do you see the queen or the king, um, King Charles or anything look, like that? Just trying to segue it into a previous, previous that we had earlier. You're trying to bring it back. You're trying to look back Irrelevant things, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this is completely irrelevant. Um, but um, <laughs> Ruben said to us, he's gone, why do people say that you look green when you're about to vomit? And we go, Oh, well, I don't know. It's a, you know, just something that sometimes people feel a little bit strange and sometimes they might look a little bit pale and a little bit pasty. He's gone, oh, okay, that's a weird thing. And then suddenly we hear Sage going, bleh, bleh, oh. and she's gently just, she's going, kids are, ah. oh. so, so sometimes you talk about things and then it happens. So hopefully me talking about FCE then doesn't mean that tomorrow we've got to see an FCE. Did you, well, yeah, no, hopefully not. But did you say to Ruben, did, did, uh, did Sage look, Green? Did you Green. sort of? Is that where that. he got the, it, the idea got, of it? No, no. no. I, just, I just just popped maybe, into my head. Maybe he's psychic. A, some some maybe sort of a savant. Maybe Doctor Do Doolittle. He can talk to the animals. Sage so going. I feel green. Ruben. Ruben's going. What does yeah. it mean when you feel green? Have you yeah. thought about that? Have you chatted to him about that? Oh, Perhaps let's get him on the podcast and we'll get a psychic on. They can chat together. Well, he's been at a party now. So if he comes back full of lollies and hot dogs and chips mm. and stuff, I'll ask him if he's feeling green and then ask him whether or not he, uh, Sage was asking him the same questions yesterday before she started blowing chunks. Excellent. Well, it's just, I think the, the reason I sort of brought it, it's interesting how I think sometimes 
the brain works in just bringing up diagnosis that you go, where did that come from? I haven't, so I can't remember ever seeing one before. I've only probably ever talked about that when I was at uni 30, 20 something years ago, but bang, there it was. And I was like, yeah, well, it could be right. But I wouldn't know. Cause you can't do an MRI. Yeah. So you, you just, yeah. you just like big noting yourself in front of the young vets. That's all that is. Well, you, you're right, mate. And on, and to our vast listenership out there, just to Absolutely. let them know that I know, I know exactly, I know everything. I know what's going on. No doubt. You just run it. your hands over it. Go, mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm, feels green. Yeah, it feels a little green, bit green. Going to vomit, might vomit. Is actually right here. Yes, yes. This, is, this is where the problem is. Exactly. Bang. There Bang. we go. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, if you've got any questions about feeling green, or you want to discuss further with Robbie about his thoughts on the monarchy and uh, and 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 the the um whether or not we should have more public holidays and whether they should be religious, anything like that that's just a bit non secular and uh, non controversial, send us an email. Well, it can be pets. controversial. We're happy for it to be. We're, ha- we're happy to skirt controversy here at the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, Robbie's on Omegle. Um, you might Am I it. now? Yes. Aren't wow, you? what yes. am I doing on that? Omegle. Do you know about Omegle? Oh, no, hang on. That's the one that, 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 um, that um, Todd Samson was talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, my yes. goodness. That wasn't Not me good. on that call. No, no, it wasn't you. Right. No, no, okay. that wasn't me. Oh, good. Uh, just uh, just to clarify that, Robbie's not on a Meagle. I'm not on a Meagle. Todd Samson. No, no, no Mira, that's that. Not on Mirror not Mirror. Yeah, no, not on no. Mirror Mirror. That wasn't you. Okay. No worries. Anyway, he's on there. If you, yeah, I think maybe. Anyway, maybe not. Oh, uh, so just uh, hook us up. Um, send, send us an send, email. Tell yeah, us you say hi. You know, get on to Patreon. Get in contact. Patreon.com, search Two Vets Talk Pets. You'll find us there. Yes. Um, you know, if you've got any questions, let us know. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the toilet break this week. Yeah, I can't believe you took the microphone with you this week. Mate. Hopefully you <laughs> hopefully you cut that one out. Yeah, it's a, it a dodgy, dodgy Indian meal I had last night. Tell you what. Anyway, all righty, guys. We'll scratch you later. Peace out. And as Kermit the, Kermit the Frog says, it ain't easy being green. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist. And more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.